Welcome to the Delight in the Limelight podcast. I'm your host, Linda Ugalo. I'm here to take you on a journey to open your inner freedom and self-expression so that speaking is something you love to do. I have a special deal going on where I'll be giving away one of my online programs for free. All you have to do is leave a review and I'll be choosing one person at random each week to receive this gift. I'll have the courses to choose from listed in the show notes. Let's move on to today's episode of Delight in the Limelight. When you were in school, were you the one who followed the rules or were you a rebel? You may not realize what a difference this can make in your speaking confidence. And it may surprise you to learn that it doesn't matter which side of the line you are on for you to be impacted. School takes a one-size-fits-all approach and can inhibit and stifle your true self-expression, as well as contributing to the feeling that it's not safe for you to be just who you are, and that maybe it's not safe to trust what's going to come out of your mouth. We're going to look at three or four ways that this one-size-fits-all approach does not serve you or the kids in school today. There's been a lot of research about how children learn differently. This clashes with the need for classroom order. And I get this, that having 20 or 30 or more kids in a classroom is hard to deal with. Ask any teacher. And even though teachers know that kids learn differently, there is the pressure for teachers to teach to the test. And so there isn't a lot of wiggle room to create different kinds of learning environments for the different kids. You may have been someone who needed to move their bodies that couldn't sit still to listen. They had to fidget. My daughter was one of these kids. She was able to handle it if she had some colored pencils in her hand and could doodle on the page. Luckily, her teachers accepted that, so it wasn't much of a problem. But what about the kids who had to wander around the room? These kids may have been yelled at. Yelled at for something they couldn't help but do yelled at for something that was helping them actually listen. Now we all know there are some kids that go around the room and they're talking a lot and they're making jokes. In fact, I was once presenting at the Positive Psychology Conference in France and there was another presenter who brought up this very scenario. He was speaking about the clash of values in the classroom. What if you have a child who values connection, humor, and leadership? like the child I just described. And what if the teacher did not value those things? Well, off to the principal's office with this child. Now this scenario can go in any number of directions. It could be that the principal understood this child and let them know that they were really okay, but it would be best if they could make different choices in the classroom. Or maybe the principal shared the teacher's outlook and reprimanded the child as well. Maybe they called in the parents. What if the parents then punished the child? Maybe they felt shame that their child was not manageable. This child could easily grow up feeling that what they had to say and how they expressed themselves was not welcome and was not okay. Let's go back to the classroom. What did the children who were there learn from their classmate being sent to the office? I know what I learned. I learned that it was better to follow the rules, to stay quiet, to not express myself, to not laugh, to make it easy for the teacher. I was not going to let that punishment happen to me. I had one client describe to me what following the rules did for her. She was in an after-school program, and the teacher told her not to disturb her under any circumstances. 
So there, this little girl was sitting on her chair and she badly had to go to the bathroom, but she didn't want to be a bad girl and disturb the teacher. So she ended up peeing on her chair. One of the other students called her out to the teacher and the teacher got furious. Why didn't you say anything to me? Well, this poor little girl was so confused. She thought she was following the rules. She had never told anyone this story because she had been so embarrassed. And because of it, she had been holding on to it all these years now that she's even a professional. It may seem like this was from so long ago, but anything that you remember can impact you for better or for worse. So never discount the things that come to your mind. There are other rules that can be administered arbitrarily. My friend's son, when he was in third grade, had a teacher who insisted that all the kids write their name on the left side of the page at the top. Well, this boy wrote his name on the right side, and he was reprimanded. I think this might have stirred up his sense of injustice, and after that, he rebelled further by always writing his name on the right or on the bottom. And personally, I can't see what difference does this make. It just shows how well he is or isn't following the rules, but why are the rules so all-important? Why is this particular rule so all-important? This child grew into a very artistic young man, a tattoo artist, graffiti artist, who is invited to paint in countries around the world and does very, very well. But it was a hard road. It was a hard road to get through school and to find his confidence, to be at home in his free self-expression. And I can't help but wonder what it might have been like if his teacher had been more flexible. Here's another rule I don't understand. Why is it that children have to know the answers all by themselves? Why do children have to take tests and not share the experience of test taking with others? I mean, I know the answer. Schools want to be able to grade kids and stratify them according to the grades they get. But I don't think that this is in service to kids learning. I had a wonderful experience learning Hungarian in Budapest some years ago. And I was surprised and delighted that when we were given tests, we were told to fill them out in pairs. Now you may think, well, how can that be fair? Because usually one person knows more than the other. And yes, that's absolutely true. And in my case, I usually knew less than my partner. But here's the thing. I learned so much from this test taking because as my partner filled out the answers, I actually learned them. I knew more Hungarian after taking that test because of the way we took the test than I did before. So if the objective is to learn more, I think learning in pairs, taking tests in pairs would be the way to go. Lastly, let's talk about the topics and subjects we're learning in school. I think that the list of subjects should be reevaluated regularly. And in our technological age, that should happen more and more frequently. Some committee at some point decades ago made a list of subjects they felt were important for every single person to learn. And if you don't know these subjects well, you're somehow not as valuable. I think this is really misguided. Why is it important for children to memorize historical dates in this day and age when they can just look it up, just like you or I would do? Why is it important that every kid learn higher math in this day and age when you can plug it into a machine to do it for you? 
People working in labs are not doing these things by hand. There are many, many topics of value beyond the seven or eight subjects taught in school. In fact, it's creativity these days or interpersonal relationships, emotional intelligence that are really highly valued in today's workplace. But how much attention is given to these in school? Very little. So we have kids who go into the workplace with their talents, with their creativity, with their interpersonal intelligence, and yet they may still feel like they aren't smart enough, they aren't expert enough to be worthy to speak up and have people listen to them because it doesn't count. And where did they get that idea? From school. It may seem to you that I'm anti-education. And it's true. I have a lot of strong feelings about education because I see how it fails so many kids, how so many kids fall through the cracks. And I see them in my, in my line of work. I see them when they come in afraid to speak and they need my help. However, I know that school isn't all bad. I know for some, school is fantastic. This episode isn't for you. Except if you've listened this far, I hope you have a little more empathy for those who did fall through the cracks, for those who didn't fit the one-size-fits-all approach, for those who left school feeling diminished, feeling unseen, unheard, inhibited in their speaking confidence and self-expression. Feel free to share your ahas with me on the episode show note page or email me at delightpodcast at lindayugalow.com. Know that uncovering your past experiences is the first step in growing into your speaking confidence and delight in the limelight. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. See you on the next one. Thank you for listening to Delight in the Limelight. I hope you feel a little more hopeful and excited about speaking in public. If you like the show, recommend it to someone you know. And if you haven't yet read the book, Delight in the Limelight, you can get it online or at your favorite bookstore or request it from your local library. Remember, speaking is our human design. Let's learn to delight in it together.